In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World, episode 55. DEI is destroying America. I am Andrew Langer. Jerry Rogers. And uh listen, we are we are recuperating from uh from CPAC. Jerry, I have no uh no CPAC crud. I've got a little cough, but beyond that, no CPAC crud this year. Same with me. I'm uh, in perfect uh ship oh. shape. Ship <laughs> okay. what, what is I it? Say perfect ship shape. shape. Oh, yes, you tip top shape. Hip You're top top. You're feeling capital. Shape. Which feeling by the way, capital. the other conversation you and I need to have is about next week, because next week, of course, is St. Patrick's Day next Friday. Yes, of course. So we've got to figure out when we're going to do the show next week. So so let's we'll talk about that uh, offline, off the line. Uh, I have a Mia culpa. Or an acknowledgement to make at the top of the show, uh, a tip of the hat to the brilliance of my podcast partner Jerry Rogers. Uh, I here, here, as, here, here. as you may recall, <laughs> see Jerry. Here's that summary from the last episode that you want. As you, as you may recall, at the top of the last episode, we had a conversation about my uh, uh, paying the bill for a friend uh, who had uh, who had allegedly uh, skipped out of a bar at CPAC uh, without paying his bill. And Jerry immediately smelled a rat. Correct? Am I, am I right, Jerry? Yes. Yeah. I would. I would have told the gentleman, bill in hand. Uh, what do you want me to do about it? It's your bill. It's not. It's not my bill. It's. It's. It's this other person's. Bill. I would have you, pulled you a Joe it. Pesci on him. Yeah. Yes. Go back yes. to your seat before yeah. I open a, Before I open up your head. Go back and get your shine box. <laughs> So I said, no, I think it's entirely possible. I still think it's entirely possible that, that, that it was this guy's bill. Uh, he, I, I did talk to this friend of mine uh, over the weekend and uh, he does not, he does not recall not paying his bill. Um, uh, I don't well, think I mean, he recalls look, much I mean, that, that evening. But, well, yeah. That's the thing, right? Yeah. If you, uh, uh, if you don't recall, <laughs> I it's mean, very DC, that, I do not could, recall Senator. But that be could uh, evidence that, that could be the evidence that he, that he didn't pay his bill. That's exactly <laughs> yes. That's exactly that's exactly right. So in any case, uh, he didn't he didn't remember, and, and so I just wanted to I wanted to uh, make a tip of the hat to uh, my my podcast partner on on at least listen as as Jerry would probably say he was born at night, but he wasn't born last night. Um, <laughs> well, again, I, I, but to me, the point of that story was partly the nerve of this person to come over to you uh check in hand when yeah. he was sitting with uh the alleged but i think it was just sitting with him by happenstance i think it would be like you know you go to a bar and you wind up sitting at a table with some random people and then all of a sudden the random person but i wouldn't sit at, uh, here's uh, you don't sit at a, a you don't sit at a, a a table with random people well so okay silly. Yeah, that's a listen that's a whole other pet peeve of mine um, uh, because this gets into oh, my, I'm going to sit my, here. My, my name Friday, is Jerry. my Friday night at CPAC in which I was getting very tired of people. And I'm, I'm in the hotel bar at the, the Gaylord hotel and, and random people kept either trying to take our chairs or sit down on our table. And I'm thinking, who, who are these people? Why are they sitting? I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to no, some look, random, it's, it's, random it's, hold it's, on. It's, Listen, yeah. if you'll give me a hold. Let me say this, Jerry. I have, I, I love the flyover States. 
I, I think I think we we discount uh, uh, far too often in Washington D.C. Uh, the importance of the so-called flyover states. But I don't yeah. want to sit down and talk with some random state senator from a flyover state that I don't know who this person is. You know, I I, I don't I, you know I I have no interest. Not not a not an interest. I don't want to listen. I I very rarely want to talk talk to state senators from my own state or my former state. Like I can count on one hand the state senators from Maryland that I might actually want to sit down and have a conversation with. Listen, it's one thing to be at the bar, the corner seat in the bar. Yes. People people come and go. And in in that circumstance, it's very uh it's very uh, common to say, hey, I'll buy him a drink. Put that drink on my tab. But if you're at a private table, which is why I think that your friend probably Ooh. sat with these randos. They probably ordered a couple of drinks. Your friend is like, "Well, I'm at his table. He ordered the drinks." I, I that I, you know, I don't know. Well, see, the thing the thing is about the Belvedere Bar is that they have these communal tables. There, are, there are tables, and then there are other tables that seem to be a little more communal. It's this it's thing. Amazing they also have to this, me, yeah. It's a, it's amazing to me how. Uh, we are just losing every sense of ourselves. Well, propriety. We There's we propriety. Yeah. Don't even know what proper behavior is oh. in a in a in a bar. Yes. Uh, this is just so silly. This is why you and I need to do an episode, Jerry, where we go and and, and bar hop on McLean Avenue in Yonkers and and. Uh, and you well, I'm going to be there. Proper... You you mentioned St. Patrick's yes. Day. I will be at on Katona Avenue. Uh, the corner of Gatona and uh, McLean uh, at Rory Dolan's at the Rambling House. Uh, we will be uh, celebrating. Uh, hopefully on on the 18th, we're going to see Shillelagh Law at the Rambling House. Nice. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be up in Woodlawn uh, for St. Patrick's Day. Um, uh, our 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 friends, the the actually they're not they're not our friends, but a but a, a band I happen to admire greatly now, the Langers Ball. Um, uh, is what? releasing a song on the, on St. Patrick's Day. Yes, oh, how exciting! As we as we discovered, is, is this one of the couples you go out on dates with? No, the Langers Ball. It's a it's a it's an Irish band, Jerry. And as you as I'm you informed you. me, teasing. I thought that Langer was just a pejorative in County Cork. I am now to understand that Langer has a much more generalized term in the Gaelic language. Something that I apparently was unfamiliar with until I turned. Uh, until I'm almost age age 52. Want to do a special shout out uh, to a couple of folks. Uh, everybody who attended the uh, the talk radio dinner last week. Um, our our guests who came on with us uh, last week on our two days at uh, CPAC. If you if you haven't watched or listened to those episodes, <laughs> do so. But a special shout out to uh, Mary Walter, who I know would have wanted to have been a part of this conversation, Jerry. Yes, she was a good she was a good arbiter. And I think we need to get her back. You know, I think we need to have her on speed dial when you and I have a disagreement. In fact, when we have one of those episodes where you and I are disagreeing about something, yes. I think we ought to have a policy of pausing the show and getting and Mary on Mary. the Zoom and getting her to arbitrate. It's for, for our listening audience. Langer in Gaelic means fool. Yes. Idiot annoying or contemptible person yes usually yes. Me all usually over. usually a male yes and and apparently also okay. there's now a verb getting langered which essentially is like getting <laughs> in fact this friend of mine at uh, at the at the belvedere bar last week yes he had certainly gotten langered while he was at uh he got langered and then i got langered by having to pay let me bill. say let me say this about the yeah. belvedere bar i don't like it <laughs> okay because the waitresses, the bartenders don't understand how to be waitresses and bartenders. Yes. 
Well, okay, but do you? Yes, I I get that. I was gonna make the I was gonna make the suggestion that do you think maybe they just find everybody who goes to CPAC entirely contemptible? I don't know. I I, I think the whole I if you notice this in contrast C- with yes. that waitress at the fake Irish bar in National Harbor, the what, Irish what, 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 why is it a fake Irish bar? It's a fake Irish bar. Well, how do you know? Because because. It, it is a, it is so is says it? the guy who would spend St. Patrick's Day at Fado. I be no, I well, okay, you know something, I'll say it Fado, fake Irish bar, 100%. Absolutely. Yes. The one thing I like about Fado being a fake Irish bar is that you can sit, you could sit in the back in that fake Irish kitchen and imagine you were in a cottage <laughs> in Ireland. This is true. That was and that was great. But well, yes, I, I, I like this place, and I, I tell you what, I, what, what made it so it's a fake Irish bar because it didn't make it before three o'clock. Well, this is true, but what made it what made it authentic for me is the fact that the that the bar the bartender was so generous. That's the thing, a hundred percent. I think that's okay, that's that that's you know, for you. That, yeah. that's a good that's a very good point. And okay, also, they, sort of they were open until two a.m. By the way, so Jerry and I um, on that Friday. Did you go back? Um, I did not, but I okay. just I, I but I I made it a point to find out. What time so, last call? Because I know they La- closed earlier. The last earlier call, week. two a.m. So, so we went over. Jerry and I went over there on um, on the Thursday of CPAC. We, yes. we got done with everything we were doing. Uh, we were hungry. It was going to be several hours before our secret dinner with our friend, and and we go first. We go, and it's a little bit before three. We go and and, and we go down to this Irish pub, and Jerry pulls on the door. It's two fifty five. The bar's supposed to open at three and they weren't open. So Jerry got very salty and very angry. So we walked back up the street. Well, that's that's after, by the way, we were in the no, no, other. No, no, no. We went to the other one afterwards. We go to the Irish oh, yeah. first. Then we walk up to the public house and we go and we get seated immediately and we sit there and we sit there and we sit there. Nobody comes over not no. to not to take a drink order, not Nothing. to bring us water. And, and 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 also Jerry found the place a little bit dirty. I will. It was I, it was filthy. It was filthy. And so we leave the public house, walk back down to the Irish Whisper, and uh, and 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 Rand and I'm glad we did. Was having a secret meeting that we won't get into. And I'm glad. And also that person again. There's bar here. Here's why the Irish Whisper to me now is a good Irish bar because we sat down, and the patron to our left immediately bought us uh, a round of drinks. That's a good point. And then the waitress but he understood his bar behavior. Yes. And he's and he's at a bar. Yes. And the waitress was very generous. Right. Good company. Yes. It was, agreed. 100%. It, it, it was it was good crack. Her name was Dom. 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 Yes. Dom. All right. Dom. She was great. So, again, kudos. Kudos to the Irish whisper. Uh, and I apologize for calling it a fake Irish bar. So but um, well, now, now, now also our secret dinner uh, that night was our secret. Yes, dinner? that was that night. I know it's With, all a blur. With Alex O'Lachlan, O'Lachlan, Alex O'Lachlan. We had dinner with Alex O'Lachlan. Okay. Why are we calling him? Oh, I see. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yes, because that's what he looks like. The star from Hawaii Five-0. Oh, is that who that is? Okay. Yes. See, I'm getting, it's all, see, this is, okay, this is all a blur to me now. You saw that picture. At the same time you were sending that picture out, I was also getting pictures sent of the the folks who were playing in that in that Joe who killed Robert Wan documentary that we that we watched last night. I didn't watch that last night. I watched now, that last now night. Now you're talking to yourself. No, now I don't want to talk about myself. Listen, if you, know, if you want to know if you want to know who who Andrew and I had dinner with, a uh, Google Alex O'Loughlin. That's yes. who we had dinner with. Which yes, yes. All right. So 
Uh, let's get to the meat of it, Jerry. Let's get into it because we are limited in, in time today. Um, we're going to be doing more of this. Back to what we talked about at, and started the show, the, the, the podcast, 54 episodes ago, um, where we're going to focus on one topic and spend a lot of time talking about the topic. We're going we're gonna to get back into the habit of bringing on guests. Yes. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we did a great episode on the 1619 Project. Uh, got a lot of, in fact, I think that that's been our most downloaded episode, uh, at least on the audio side of it. Um, and, and we, we want to peel these things back and we want to talk today about diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're going to probably touch on, on, uh, ESG, which is environmental and social governance, uh, which is this idea of essentially taking DEI, policies and applying them to economics and then applying them to corporate economic policies, which by the way, Jerry and I had a conversation yesterday, maybe it was the day before about this Chris Rock special. Like you, Jerry, I've watched the first half of it. I haven't watched the second half. And I liked it better than you did. Um, I found certain elements. I give it it a thumbs down. I felt he uses the N word a little much. In fact, we had a fake drinking game going on that every time he said the N word, we were supposed to take a shot. But, 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 but here's, here's my trouble with it. And that is because he said a couple or three things that conservatives like all of a sudden you had all these reviews from conservative venues saying how great this, uh, this standup show was, it wasn't great. Yeah, it was it was it was maybe mediocre. Uh, it was in my mind. He had put on an affectation. Uh, it was forced. He was overly amped up. And I think it's a, again, conservatives make this terrible mistake uh, thinking that just because someone uh, says something sometime that's somewhat like what we believe, we all of a sudden give a, a homage to the celebrity. When someone, we, when I, some yeah, I'm, I'm tired of celebrities. Some celebrity. Well, that's right. But I'm when. But the point is, when some celebrity tells a little bit of the truth, like opens up the door, yeah, a little bit, freaks it open, and and, and gives you a little glimpse of the truth. Um, uh, Jerry, Jerry doesn't like that. No. I mean, no, I'm well, sorry. I don't like Jerry, how no, we, no. Jerry how likes, we, you know, no, automatically start praising. No, no, yeah, that's the point. Don't want to praise somebody for. Bill Maher, the Bill Maher, Bill Maher is not a conservative. He doesn't support our our principles. Uh, Joe Rogan is not a conservative. Doesn't support our principles. Right. Chris Rock, not a conservative. Doesn't Elon support Musk. Our, Elon Musk. Uh, uh, Dave Chappelle. I mean, and on and on. All, all of a sudden, uh, uh, the guy that you like, uh, John uh, uh, John Stewart. I remember John Stewart when when he was on Comedy Central. Uh, conservative friends of mine, maybe you weren't included in this, but conservative friends of mine were like, "This guy's a truth uh, teller." Now he is the biggest woke uh, 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 talkie out there. But more recently, he gave an interview where he was uh, shocked at cancel culture, and I'm thinking to myself, he's now shocked at cancel culture, right. which he helped create, right. Uh, it, yes, I mean it, it, it's it's an issue. Listen, it, we can talk about this issue of the left and leftists who will occasionally stumble. All right, the, the concept is that Jerry's, I think, talking about here is that a blind squirrel can find a nut. You know, every <laughs> once in a while, that a stopped clock is right twice a day. 
And right. because a stop clock is right twice a day, that doesn't mean. But this isn't working right. One of us. This isn't a criticism of those celebrities. This is a criticism of conservatives uh, who feel the need for valid va- validation. I don't even from think it's a criticism so much, Jerry, as what it is. It's it's a warning to sort of be have your eyes open, right? First yeah. of all, we should be consistent in the fact that we shouldn't be worshiping celebrity. Right. There's a there's that that part, because you will always be disappointed in the end. There, There's there's no two ways about it. And again, just as a side note, this is part of the Trump uh, phenomenon in, in that he he is was a celebrity. Right. And a lot of a lot of a lot of conservative working class Americans thought, hey, here's one on our side. And I think well, that really did feed into to, to Trump. Well, it's interesting, right, because I would also say that, that there's the flip side to Jon Stewart in a way sort of in the journey right is that is that you know i think that you know john stewart was doing one thing on the daily show and then when he got his apple show he didn't feel like he needed to be as much of a truth teller and this is not what apple wanted him to do i think the opposite but, being, you know hold on that donald trump was he said a couple of things and and then and then he sort of realized that if he fully embraced this persona uh, mm-hmm. of the the populist conservative that right. he could get elected president and he and he was and he and yeah. he governed as a conservative but like everything else, inevitably, he's gonna he he disappointed, right? And that, that course, that's right. A, that's the point in in all of this is when you go down the road of hero worship, you're going to be disappointed. And I've listen, I've said this. I want to make sure everybody knows that I'm trying to be consistent here. I believe that when people tell the truth, you should underscore that they're telling the truth, but you can't be sycophantic about it. Sure. So when but, Chris Rock, hold on, when Chris yeah. Rock says that Subaru is full of crap because they give $250 to woke causes and he would just rather have the $250 back. Right. Or when, or when, or when he's astounded that people are paying a hundred dollars for Lululemon anti-racist pants and he'd rather have most of, most of the people in his audience. He said, in fact, all of them in his audience would rather have $20 racist pants. Right. You know, I think, listen, I think there's something to be said for, for that kind of, uh, that, that, that kind of truth telling. But that being said, that doesn't mean that I'm going to label Chris Rock as a conservative or right. worship the ground. But this, this, this leads right into uh, uh, the topic of the show, which is that's my how, point. how DEI is the most uh, dangerous uh, philosophy uh, in America today. And a lot of what we're talking about here. Uh, is is because of or a response to DEI. Uh, when when you erase meritocracy, when you have the government uh, deciding winners and losers, right? Uh, you run into this. You run into this um, anti-American, uh, un-American. We must redo, transform America philosophy. This is why. Again, I've said this before on our show uh, that we are progressively advancing backwards right. to a pre-Western culture where where it's gonna it's if you're if you're an elitist if you're privileged and rich uh you're reverting back to dynasty and nepotism but if you're work if you are if you're poor uh, or you're uh beneath the 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 elite class uh well you're reverting back to tribalism it, it's and it's, this is dangerous uh, it, you know something it's funny um mel brooks has his new history of the world part two out watched a little bit of it it's obviously it's going to be disappointing but, you know, he did this character uh, back in the 1960s called the 2000 year old man. Jerry, do you, yes, do you remember? Of course. This? Yeah, yeah. And then and then and then he and, and Carl Reiner did a redux of it, a reboot of it in the year 2000, the 2000 year old man in the year 2000. And I happen to see him 
perform. And one of the things he, as the 2,000-year-old man, said, because um, they, Carl Reiner asked him about anthems and, and songs and nations, and, and the 2,000-year-old man says, well, we all had caves. We were all in caves then, Jerry, and each cave was its own cave, and our song was something like, we can, you can all go to hell except Cave 75. <laughs> and, and that's essentially what we're talking about here. And it, sure. the, the issue of tribalism, you all go to hell unless you're part of my tribe. But here's the problem. Sure. And this is something that I, I talked about. I, 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 that group of students from my high school came to CPAC. I was talking to them a little bit about this. When you erase our history, right? And remember, this is part of the dangers of DEI and CRT is that they say they're not erasing history uh, they're telling, uh, they're fleshing out history, which is not true. But when you use history as a cudgel to divide people and you dismiss the basic principles upon which our nation was built and upon which our society functions, Jerry talks about meritocracy. Uh, when you tell you to know, the issues of equality under the law, free speech, freedom of expression, freedom of religion, um, when when you when you when you tear at those things. And we have no common ground from which to operate on. It is impossible. It becomes impossible for people to come together to solve problems. Now we could, whether or not they're they're phantom problems, as we deal with a lot today, or whether or not they're real problems, especially the real problems. If you if you can't come together to solve them, then then society just continues to uh, uh, careen on and and um, uh, collapse. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Jerry. No, and, and what's important here uh, is to remember that it's not just American history. Yeah. Yep. Why we should understand Western history, the, the important dates, the important uh, battles, the important uh, stories, why we should know Plato and Socrates and others is because we don't want to repeat the tragedies and the mistakes of the past. So what's past is prologue. Yeah, right. And and what's happening in America today, we have two generations of young people uh, who are arrogant uh, in their hubris or, or their I'm, I'm sorry, they're 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 arrogant in their ignorance. Their yes. their hubris is their ignorance. And they don't know what they don't know. And right. they make and they make these they make these statements. And again, I repeat myself because it's such a simple, a simple example. And that is uh, you have a whole. Uh, and, and we're talking about uh, uh, we're talking about DEI, right? Uh, uh, diversity, uh, diversity, equity, equity inclusion, inclusion uh, which of course is part of this whole uh, queer theory, uh, critical race theory, and legal theory. Yes. And now you have this legal theory uh, because of again because of the the need to transform America because of ignorance of history because uh, we're, we're we're reverting back to tribalism where you have young people, students, law students who will tell you that it's in, it's inherently undem undemocratic and unfair that a big state like California has two senators right. uh, while a small state uh, with, with little population like Wyoming also has two senators. And what they misunderstand is, is that in history throughout history uh, there, uh, there have been democracies that have, that all have, frankly, right. uh, devolved into tyranny. Right. And our founding fathers understood history. Yes. Which is why they put these protections but, but, uh, in place. And that's why there is an attack, as you said, not just on American history, but on the basic tenets of Western civilization that preceded it. Right? If you attack, it's not enough to attack Thomas Jefferson 
and James Madison. Right. But you have to go back and you have to attack John Locke and John Locke. And then going even further back, Plato and Aristotle and Socrates, et cetera. You go, you go, you go much, much further back to do, to do those things. And, um, and and what's interesting, Andrew, is hold on, and, I want, hold on, let me just say something real quick, because I want to I want to make sure people are understanding this. Jerry and I have no problem with diversity if it's true diversity, right, which should sure. be diversity of thought, diversity, of experience, et cetera, um, equity, the, the, the depth and the width of our differences. So there is a difference between equity and equality, which we are going to get into in a sure. moment. There's a problem with that. Um, in fact, and then, and then in the idea of include, obviously we think people ought to be included, but again, it, it's this, this issue of, of forcing inclusivity and, it, and sort of going down this road of denying reality. This is the problem. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. The issue of equity. So we have in America, uh, right? It's right up there in the declaration of independence. All men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you Life. understood, you, you understand, by the way, what the founders meant by the pursuit of happiness. What they meant literally was the pursuit of wisdom and truth. That's what they meant by that, by that phrase. Well, on the pursuit of property. I mean, the original draft was the pursuit right, of property. But, they but, wanted but, to, but the idea to pursue I know, your but, own devices. Yes. But the left misunderstands happiness as libertine, as and that's not what the founders believed. Well, they yes. believed in ordered liberty, and they believed that happiness, the good life. Yes, literally, the good life is a result of the quest for truth. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to get away from this. The point is, right. is that in this difference between equity and equality, right? The 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 our our society and the concept, the very concept of meritocracy, right? Rising on your own merits and abilities and and achievements is the idea of you set a level playing field in terms of opportunity, the ability to go and pursue these things, to pursue your happiness. Whatever well, the, that might be. The, the irony is, is that the left in its pursuit of equity, which is uh, a, a quality of outcome, a quality of outcome. Right. That's, what they what the they point. what they've done is they've actually gamed the system. Remember. And this is just truth. We're not all equal. Right. Uh, some are taller. Some are shorter. Some have uh, the gene for longevity. Will live to be ninety and healthy. Others will will have cancer. Uh, we have differences in IQ. A difference in in athletic ability. We are not equal. Yes. But what what made uh, the Western the Western culture and American culture in particular, uh, what it allowed was meritocracy allows for you to overcome those differences. Right. And this is again. This is. This is this is the the the, the insanity or the uh, the the irrationality of of what the left is trying to do. Cannot... Here, here, here's a practical okay. example. I'm sorry, yeah, please. That's fine. Uh, the undoing of the SAT. Yeah, the SAT in the 1960s. If you were a poor kid going to public school in the Bronx and you got straight A's, but you had to compete for a Harvard a position at Harvard. Uh, against a uh, a dynasty kid, you know, a son of a son of a son of a Harvard grad uh, who went to Regis or one of the other elite schools in Manhattan, uh, and you had similar grades, the admissions office at Harvard could say, yes, you have very similar grades, uh, same GPAs, but this kid went to Regis uh, or wherever uh, this he went to this uh, uh, elite, uh, elite school, and you went to a public school in the Bronx. But then that kid from the Bronx could say, but my SAT score is high. Right. And, right. and and again, 
uh, undoing the SAT. This is what this is what diversity, equity, and inclusion does. It erases uh, from Ivy League schools and other institutions. It erases the working class. Well, it it well it can. It the, does. It has. But, well, but, but the, my 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 point is this. When you have these equality of outcomes, because Jerry, I want to, I want to make sure we we don't gloss over what you said about gaming the system, right? Right. What Jerry's talking about is when you when you take away what are standard measurements, standardized measurements, objective measurements of someone's abilities, like an SAT, a standardized test, um, and you start to inject all of these intangibles in it as a way of generating a predetermined outcome. What that means is that somebody in a back room somewhere can then game the system. Sure. Right? It's it's a way of, and again, I'm going to use another movie reference here, Jerry. You ever see the movie Red Belt? David no. Mamet? No. Great movie. It is about martial arts competitions, and, and the main character uh, has come up with a new way of doing a martial arts competition where someone can be given a handicap at the start of the competition. Uh, as a way of proving their achievement. It's a, it's a way of making it more interesting. Well, the gamblers in the world realize that what this guy has done is created a way to pregame the outcome of a fight so that they can pick the winners and losers in the back room and and through sleight of hand do it do it that way. So they can pick the you know whoever's going to get the handicap uh, and that way they can make a huge amount of money in the back room. That's the problem here is that once things become and this is why Throughout our public policy process, uh, our laws have made it clear that things have to be done in an objective way. They can't be done just at the whims of the mobocracy, but our policies have to be made in a way that is not arbitrary, capricious, and abuse of discretion or otherwise not in accordance with the law. Right. And, and once you sort of take out that objectivity in all of these things, then you get somebody who can game the system and change things and whether it's to the benefits of the elite well, again, or the just, benefits of a particular right. political and, party and, or the benefits of a particular corporation, et cetera. And very real example just now. Look, we there's a line uh, from, oh my goodness, uh, for when the bell tolls. For, uh, whom, for, whom, for whom the bell tolls. There's a line in it. Um, this is Hemingway, right? Yes. There's a line in the Hemingway novel. How did you become bankrupt? And the response is uh, gradually and then suddenly. <laughs> I forget the. I, yeah. It's Hemingway. You know. Again, I'm saying I, I should have looked this up ahead of time. Sure. I apologize. That's all right. Don't worry. There's there's, there's, a, there's a line in literature. Um, how did you become bankrupt? Yes. Uh, uh, gradually, then suddenly. Yes. So gradually, we've been moving in this direction of diversity, equity, oh, and inclusion. I'm so glad you opened it up that way. Go ahead, because I got a story. So, to tell. so, but however, it has it has happened suddenly since uh, since George Floyd in the riots of 2000. And 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 again, here are some real examples. Look at Stanford. Look at Harvard. Uh, and it has changed. Uh, so what's happening now is they've done away with with uh, standardized testing and. And and other admission uh, standards uh, to it's now amorph amorphous. It's it's yes. it's uh it's equity, right? It's yes. diversity. Diversity is now the standard. And if you look at what's happening, is uh, it's it's gone backwards. There was a time, right, uh, where you could get a gentleman's C 
in the Ivy League. You were yeah. the son of a son of a son, right? right? You were uh, you you got your position in Harvard because your father graduated or yes. something like that. Right. And however, in the 50s and 60s, this began to change. And and they're working class Americans, ethnic Catholics yeah. and and minority groups and new immigrants could get into these Ivy League schools because of the SAT scores, because of right. meritocracy. Now, it has it has changed gradually now, suddenly. And you look at the uh, the incoming classes at Stanford, at Harvard, at Yale. And what has happened is we, we uh, these schools have gone to uh, racial gerrymandering. And and so diversity is the standard. And what you have is you in, in, in all these schools now you have about twenty five percent of the student body, incoming freshmen, are white. Yeah. But and about and, and about sixty percent of that twenty five percent is female. Yes. And so what's happening is is they're going back, however, and if you're white, you're getting in or you you have an advantage gaming the system if your father or grandfather graduated. And so what's happening is the working class immigrant, uh, the working class, those who could get into a Harvard or a Stanford because of meritocracy, they've literally in the last three or four years, Andrew, disappeared from the campus. I will tell you, and I will tell you, some of this is also by design, Jerry, because what they want to do is they want to get these kids into the treadmill of they want to get them into state schools, public universities, large schools. Um, then they want to get them on either they want to get them either free education through paid for by the federal government, uh, or they want to get them on the treadmill of the federally backed student well, loan. You know, I, I, I've said this before, but I think the number is somewhere it's it's it's, it's just short of a million students uh, lacking in universities this year versus the last couple of years. Yeah. And part of it, we haven't mentioned this yet, but part of this DEI is at the university level now, uh, professors are forced. Uh, to take a DEI pledge. Yeah. Uh, they have to, uh, uh, this is true in medical schools now. Yeah. Uh, you have to take a DEI pledge. And so this is what I mean by gradually to suddenly. Suddenly, we have whole Let's... areas of our economy uh, where where folks are being locked out, uh, either because they are the wrong ethnicity, the wrong race, or because they refuse uh, to say the oath. But also, more to the point, the educational process, the learning process gets shortchanged overall. I, I want to take a step back for a second, Jerry, because I want to talk about this gradual issue and something that I came upon um, a couple of weeks ago or last week, really. So so the week before CPAC, as Jerry and I were talking about uh, these issues and we're talking about the 1619 Project, I, I told the story about my um, switching over from public schools uh, the, the the Greenberg Central Seven Schools in New York uh, to uh, to private school uh, in 10th grade. Uh, and I, I don't remember how detailed I got into the story. Andrew, but the, and the reason why I did this is because my public school system in New York was having these discussions about transitioning away from meritocracy and what's called uh, uh, a homogeneous grouping, the idea of having honors classes and lumping everybody together. I told the story. So a week later, weirdly enough, and I know I told you this, Jerry, but I'm going to tell the story on the air. Uh, I had a, a, a buddy who public schools who posted screenshots, pictures that he had taken. He'd found a bunch of newspapers from the public high school that I'd gone to and, and took pictures of them and posted them. And, and one of the stories was, and this is 
the the would have been my junior year of high school so a full year after i had left um and and it was a story about the the, the school system being deeply troubled by the number of students in the school district who were not going to the public schools. Almost a thousand students in the school district had left the public schools and had gone to private schools. And both members of the school board and members of the teachers union were, and members of the administration, they were all deeply alarmed by this. And they couldn't figure out why, Jerry, they couldn't figure out why these students had left. And they were gonna have a series of listening sessions. Now, I don't know whatever happened with those listening sessions. I certainly don't think, I, I I know I didn't participate in them to talk about my story. I don't believe my parents uh, were a part of this, though I think they're, you know, my story was well known because as I said, my mom was on the school board. But the point is, this was 35 years ago. This was May of 1988, Jerry, that this story came out. The school district did nothing to change their trajectory. It is now one of the worst school districts in Westchester. It's probably a little bit above other awful school districts in the state of New York. But certainly, you know, when you talk about these things, this is what happens when you don't take care of a problem years ago and it festers and it gets worse over time to the point now. And ironically, anyway. Yeah, but see, but but, but again, to to use your phrase more to the point. Yes. This isn't a problem that's festering. This is done on purpose. This is a philosophy. This is a this is a this is a mechanism by which they're trying to transform our culture. And by, by the way, Andrew. Uh, how did you go bankrupt? Uh, two ways: gradually, then suddenly. That's of yes. course from the sun also rises. But this is the sun also rises. Yeah. So this is this is this is this is. But this is just it, right? This is what I'm saying: is that it was gradual for the school system, and then yeah. it shoots sure. up. But it, what, what what I'm saying is is though is that in recent history, it was the George Floyd, the overreaction. Right. Uh, 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 to George you call Floyd. Call that an inflection point, right? And and, yeah. and going back to your point about gradually. So uh, Barack Obama, you know, again a theme of our programs. The left is brilliant. Uh, Barack Obama understood in the in the two thousands that um, he had to uh, just like the Marxist, you had to separate class right. uh, from Marxism, and so they decided on ethnicity and race. And what they settled on was diversity, and this is this is the new uh, uh, catch catchphrase or or right. moniker for the new Marxist. And, and and here's an example going back to Chris Rock. We started about the Chris Rock special. Yep. So he goes after Meghan Markle, the Duchess of right. Sussex. I did hear. And and, and 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 makes fun of her, claiming to be a victim of racism. She's a victim. Now, never mind her wealth, her fame, her celebrity. Uh, but this is this is diversity in action. This is DEI in action, where the Duchess of Sussex, right, uh, can claim victimhood by virtue of diversity because right. of her race. And again, I use I've used this already, but it works. This is why the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, uh, can go on the Oprah Winfrey show, the multi-billionaire media powerhouse Oprah Winfrey, and they both can commiserate about about their victim status. Right. This is tribalism. This is equity. This is diversity. This is where they're pushing us, and which is why, again, gaming the system. It's... Why Oprah Winfrey's? If Oprah Winfrey were to have children, her children 
uh, would get, uh, uh, even though she's wealthy and she is privileged and she's an elite class, her children would get uh, first dibs at Harvard where your children or my children wouldn't even be considered. Listen, all I know is I'll, I'll, I'll say this anyway. I'm, I'm, let me take you get my point though, right? I, I get, no, I get, I get your, I get your point. I, I guess part of what I'm saying is Jerry, that I think very few people recognized beyond the barest glimpses of where the seeds of DEI were going to go back in the mid 1980s. Right. And and I've talked about this in terms of of the history. I don't know. I I, I I think the left knew exactly where it was going, I, I, and well, they've been patient. I think no, I'm not so sure. I I, I and I and I, again, maybe this is me sort of using Hanlon's. Well, razor. I mean, critical race theory uh, uh, started at, in academia in the 1960s. Well, right, but Jerry, but it wasn't it wasn't something that was mainstream or really talked about by a lot of people. I think you had folks who were talking about. You had some folks. Right, we had a situation. Situation. In America, we were on the verge of defeating defeating racism, as we had defined racism at the time being bigotry. In the 1970s, we really were on the precipice. And we saw the seeds of this coming to play into the 80s, right? The 1970s and into the 1980s. And and then all at once we started talking about diversity. We were more, you know, we were, we were, we were, we started talking about diversity. And we weren't talking about diversity as a way of completely reshaping our economic system. Uh, We were talking about it as a way of sort of celebrating and more to the point it was then there are some folks who i think knew what it was going to do which yes is that's my point. yes that's my yes. point here like yes. i i recognized very early on that when you again i don't consider myself a genius i just saw what was happening around me where if you celebrate the the what makes people different as opposed to what makes people the same you highlight those differences you're going to keep people as different but i don't think anybody suspected i'm sorry with very few exceptions, it certainly wasn't mainstream that in the 35 years between 1988 and 2003, all of a sudden we were going to be dividing people once again by by racial affinity groups, that we were going to have spaces on college campuses where whites and blacks are being and Latinas are all being Latinas are being all separated and they have their own individual spaces. I don't think anybody very few would have predicted that. And I think if you'd said that in 1988, people would have said you were a crazy kook. I, I certainly think, don't. Think- I, I think. I think you're right. I think the yeah. average person would have said you're crazy. But I think that if you sat with um, uh, professors uh, uh, and other elites in politics, they would have said this is where we're going. Okay, but let me ask you this, right? Because one of the people I blame for this is Al Sharpton, right? I don't think Al Sharpton had it in his head that he Al Sharpton was going to push this. I don't stuff. think Al. Yeah, I, I mean, Al, but Al Al Sharpton is not. He's not an intellectual. Uh, prime mover. No, he's here. not an intellectual, but he's, he was. He's a he was an activist pushing these things. I mean, that that was you know he was he was at the forefront of pushing these issues. I think he was doing it right. He was doing it out of his own. He was the grifter. What's ironic, of course, he was the shake. He was the shakedown artist. He, right. He would. What's ironic, would Jerry, in... is that if if Al Sharpton had been a Republican or a conservative engaging the grift, he would have destroyed the movement. Somehow, the perniciousness right. of this destructive philosophy has continued. Yeah, over, I, over time. I, look, I, I get your point. I think yeah. I think Sharpton was a useful tool uh, to those who are really behind again queer theory, I, I gender listen, theory. I don't race doubt. Theory. I don't doubt that in some common turn communist international, that in some meeting somewhere, that the the Marxist theorists of the 1960s, not that this happened in the 1960s, but somewhere during the 1980s, while the Soviet Union was still around. 
the Marxist academic theorists who started to push CRT in the 1960s got together with activists in the 1980s under the auspices of the I, Soviet no, I get Union. You. And, get, re, and, I, and said, you know something, we can right. completely destroy and reshape American culture. See, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, yeah. here, here's the thing. Um, I think there was there's there's always been a cadre of those who were who have been uh, pushing for this. Right. And, and, and for the most part, they were uh, they were behind the the uh, the academia. They were in. Right. They were in places that didn't really trickle down to the culture. But what happened, and, and our old mentor, Fred Smith, uh, would have made this point. What happened was we became so wealthy. Uh, we became so um, uh, so intellectual, so um, lettered uh, that we have a whole generation. We had a whole generation come to uh, come to adulthood uh, who had never produced anything, who had never done anything. And so these ideas of of equity, of of uh, of of power shifting, of transforming the America, uh, really was and and has been. Uh, the elites in this country, which is why right. you and I talk about very often, it's no longer left versus right. It really, is the elites versus the working class. And the other, so so that's that's how it jumped. And, and they and, know. It, and yeah, then, and someone a, recognized right that guilt is an incredibly powerful tool. Now we know sure, Jerry and I will will agree. Jerry, I know Jerry and I. So so is pride and hubris, and I think a lot of this has to do with, with hubris. And again, think, well, well there's in my the mind. Hubris. Well, I, I agree with you. There's the hubris, Jerry, but I'm talking about how I know better than you. I of, should I should run there, your life for well, you. There's there's that aspect of it certainly, but what I'm saying is, and this talks about the the inflection point in the last few years, the gradual and then the accelerated, sure. right? Right. Because because you and I both know that that you know um, among the insults that you can call somebody in the United States, calling someone a racist, politician, public figure, person, and is about one of the worst things you can call somebody. Then if you change the definition of racism to sort of meet everyday behavior, so anybody can become a racist, you can and and you now say that it's endemic. If you don't believe in diversity, equity, and educate and and uh, and inclusion, it means you're a racist. If you don't accept that a uh, uh, someone born with a penis is is really a girl well then you're 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 a bigot you're a, a you're transphobic but by, by the way i'm sorry jerry i want to digress for one second here um love the fact that uh that uh, jill biden celebrated international women's day yesterday by giving an award to a man um which gets in the whole misogyny of 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 the trans thing but anyway go ahead but again but, 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 but it, it shows that the diversity equity inclusion uh philosophy religion uh, is having this uh, immediate impact on our culture, our politics, our core, our, our economy. And again, uh, it, it is. I, I said to my girls yesterday. I have four daughters. I said to my daughters. I said it is. It is now ridiculous to even have an International Women's Day right. when we cannot define what a woman is. Right. And this is not. This is part of the whole gender theory. Part of the whole DEI mantra. Look. It's not rational. It's not science. It's not biology. It is not truth. It is not history. And what I think is, is for us to, I say this all the time at the end of the program, right? Find the truth, plant your feet, stand firm. There, there, loves that, by the way. There, there are certain uh, areas of the public discourse now that we have to think about the, I'll use a, a movie reference. Think about 300. Yeah. And think about when they, uh, 
when when the Persians clash with the 300 Spartans and then the king says, hold and they stop. Yeah, they they stand firm. Right. There are battles now that we just have to stand firm, one of which and uh, even if this is the takeaway from the show, um, I will never refer uh, to a man as a woman. Or I will never use the pronoun he for a she and she for a he. I will never do it. Yeah. I won't do it. It's not right. And and again, because uh, we know this from history, you let them, you let them usurp the language. Well, then it's over. Right. It it, it becomes it be, it really becomes what Orwell predicted. I want to I want to step back again for a moment, Jerry, and, and because you know in talking about this and in talking about the gradual and then rocketing forward in the George Floyd point, that has its analogs throughout history as there are movements that sort of start slowly and then build, and then all of a sudden there is uh, an explosion. I, I, I think most especially of, of the various Marxist revolutions at the beginning of the 20th century, right, or the, and the attempts there, therein, right? Marxism had existed for a number of, for decades before this had happened in theory. Right, yeah. And then it happened to take, you know, uh, a World War I and, and economic collapse and and you know, problems happening in Russia for it to yeah, take hold I, I, in, in, yeah. in pre-Soviet Russia. And and the thing is here is, is, is that it's, it, again, it's, it's, it's uh, the two metaphors I think of one is the virus, how yeah. a virus jumps and all of a yes. sudden becomes, uh, becomes pandemic. Uh, I think the DEI movement is pandemic. Uh, the second, the second, the second metaphor is, you know, the, the, the frog being slow, slowly boiled. Yes. I think there are a lot of people who, uh, you know, they caved to the pronoun uh, pronoun uh, wars because they just wanted to be kind. And I think yes. I think I think too often, though, uh, we we mistake uh, uh, love for kindness or kindness for love. And I think the true loving thing to do is to speak the truth, because, again, Listen, uh, I've told, know, I think I may have I may have mentioned this. You know, we've got we've got family friends and and they are very progressive. And their younger child uh, has declared themselves to be a different gender than the one they were born with. And, and, and it's, it's one of those things, you know, what's funny, David Mamet, the playwright said this, you, you, you get mugged by reality. Right. And this was a wake up call. Now they're not, they're not all of a sudden going to turn around and go and vote for uh, uh, Donald Trump or, 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 you know, Pat Robertson or whomever <laughs> is, Pat um, still, is Pat still alive? Yeah, I don't just... know if Pat's still alive, but but no, anyway, he, is, the, he is, he is, he but, is. But the point is, um, you know, they're not going to. They're all of a sudden not going to become rock rib conservative Republicans or just conservatives generally. But nevertheless, it's a wake up call to sort of say, you know, something. I, I sure. don't understand this. You know, my my child who may have been quirky and had quirks before but now to sort of well, go because down this road. because and, and we've talked about this it, and it's now it's now part of the the indoctrination uh not only in corporate america look i've i've had to for uh for a, a, a corporation i'm affiliated with i, I had, had to do this i've had to go i've had to go through these ridiculous training seminars yes. uh, where you're using wrong pronouns i won't yes. do it uh yes. but also you know, I, I said this to you recently. I'm gonna talk about this on the WBAL, my my WBAL Sunday show. You're still doing this that, Jerry? week? Yeah, yeah. The Sunday sermon with Jerry. If it's Sunday, it's Jerry. I think what I'm gonna do is I'm I'm gonna highlight this week, uh, um, uh, uh, this idea that in 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 Maryland in Maryland public schools, but it's public schools across right. the country, uh, where they're now teaching kindergartners through fifth graders, teaching them 
Yes. LGBTQ transgendered lessons. And, 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 and again, I, I, I asked one of, uh, one of these, one of these parents, uh, uh, friendly with my wife was outraged and so disturbed by this. Uh, and, uh, and I asked for, I want, you know, trust, but verify. Uh, so I asked for the letter and I, I received it. And here's the thing, the public school systems, uh, around the country are, indoctrinating children yes into sexual perversion i there's no other term to use they are teaching children as young as five uh, about sexual sexual issues and sexual uh sexuality uh that is inappropriate and i right. give you an example so i talked to another mother whose daughter is in first grade uh, and came home really upset because uh, uh, some of her school friends were talking about a third grader and a third grader, they can't tell if the third grader is a boy or a girl. Right. So this mother did some did some checking because, you know, kids can be cruel and this sort of thing. We don't want to get to a bullying uh, incident. It's kind of strange, too. It's an older student, third grader. It turns out this child is trans is is considered called transgendered and allowed to use uh, uh, the uh, the 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 wrong gender. Yeah. Uh, and and I and I in third grade. So I'm thinking to myself, there was a time in American history when these parents would have been deemed unfit. Right. This is child abuse. Right. Instead of 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 checking and protecting this child, the the, the school system uh, is participating in the child abuse. And what's worse is all the surrounding kids, as young as first graders are so confused as to what's happening. Right. And 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 hold on because there's so much so many ways to to go here Jerry because I I also wanted to talk about the substance of the letter. One of the things Jerry doesn't mention is that this letter being sent home to parents makes it really clear that they're not going to tell you which days they're going to be teaching this stuff on so you can't even have the right. choice of pulling your schools keeping your kids and, you know, and, 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 and you're not allowed to opt out of it. Right. And it it's throughout the curriculum. So it's it's not just in health class because you know uh, kindergartners don't have health class; they have gym. Right. Gym, so it's it's going to be part of the curriculum on various days uh, throughout the day and throughout the curriculum. And again, how do you protect your child from this? Right. Well, more to the point, it's not even a question of how to protect your child. Right. I mean, we talk about protection and, and non-protection. The point is, you have a worldview, right? And you have a worldview in terms of your your religious background or your moral background, or let's even say. You know, you have a, just how you view reality, right? You have a, a, a viewpoint, a worldview that is grounded in objective reality. Kids are not stupid. I mean, some of them are, but, but by and large, right, Jerry, kids are not stupid. And we went through this with the whole masking thing, right? We knew, we knew at the start of the pandemic, you keep kids' faces covered, especially little kids and the teacher's faces covered, you're going to have problems down the road. But you can't talk with, with uh, children being able to develop. Right. Whether it's speech impediments or learning disabilities or whatever, you're going to have that problem. Right. We know that kids are truth tellers. Right. Kids see something. They don't have a filter. They haven't been taught how to filter things. So a kid's going to see another kid who is a, a different gender. They're going to say something. And there's no but, there's. But but also think about their, up, Jerry. Let me just. Children, my point. They're sure. going to get punished for it, for saying, oh, my God, there's something really strange going on here. Yes. Uh, hold on. Let me let me give you. Hold on. But you, you, you're, not, you're not even scratching what the real terror is, which is, again, ch brain development. Uh, again, you mentioned masking. Yes. We now know from brain science 
that children, uh, all, ch- all children yes. who were forced to mask, their brains developed differently than if they hadn't been masked. Forced to mask, forced to be isolated from their playmates yes. who are still not allowed to sort of sit and right. socialize with one another. I, I mean, we are really, I mean, there is a real danger here in right. terms of the generation that follows up my kids. But then um, this is, but this is the point about this, this transgendered LGBTQ agenda in the public schools is religion. It's not yes. science. It's right. not science. Yes. It's religion. Yes. And again, um, I, I interrupted you, but, 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 the, no, at, at, right. but at the end of the day, uh, look, we know from science, I'm going to say this and if, and, and, and it's going to be provocative, but uh, being homosexual or being, uh, being uh, differently sexual, right? Because I believe the science tells us that sex, sexuality is fluid. You know, there are studies where heterosexual men go into prison yes. and because as human beings, we crave intimacy and relationship, we'll engage in homosexual relationships in jail, in prison. Uh, and then once they exit prison, go back to their heterosexual, heterosexual yeah, lifestyle. Well, I, I get it's just, but the point is, is that, uh, you know, we're remarkable uh, human beings and how we're made. It, we are remarkably made. I just right. discovered uh, uh, or rediscovered something yesterday. When you exercise, your muscles contract and they secrete a certain uh, ho- a hormone that doctors call the hope molecule. And yeah. what it does is the uh, the, the hormone uh, uh, uh seeps into your bloodstream is emitted into your bloodstream goes to your brain and it's a natural defense against anxiety and depression and stress my point is we're made wonderfully and and what happens is when we interfere with that uh we 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 uh we get these certain outcomes andrew andrew you're a big fat load you need to exercise more folks who 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 engage fully in a homosexual lifestyle have had trauma in their lives, have had broken relationships in their lives, and how it and and what had ha- all all I'll say this, all homosexuals have had some kind of arrested development uh, in their psychosexual development from you know uh, in the age of fourth grade uh, to 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 tenth grade, and I give you an example of this. All boys want to be accepted by other boys. Yeah, I have I have an eight year old. His biggest quest in life is to be with his buddies yeah that's what he wants to do now let's say that he was unaccepted by his buddies let's say that he was bullied let's say that he was someone who who had a quality he was more artistic than athletic let's say he was not accepted by the boys well the desire to be accepted becomes even greater and then you begin to mistake psychosexually you begin to mistake uh that the wanting to be accepted uh to being attracted to right my point is, is that there's a whole science a- about about sexuality. And but instead, but, but, but what we're doing instead is we're saying that that transsexual and homosexual and all these things should be celebrated and accepted and taught in public schools. But no one's teaching that heterosexuality, that marriage between one woman and one man for life. No one's teaching those things. Right. Anyway, right, that's 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 bad because it's traditional right. and it's let me let me let me take this moment to to tee this up. I don't know if I urge folks to do this. We watched last night this documentary on on Peacock. You have to have Peacock Premium called "Who Killed Robert One." 
Um, and Jerry and I have talked a little bit about this. Who I is, watched uh, it. Who is Robert Wong? Right, let me explain. Right. So in 2006, there was a heinous murder in Washington, D.C. Oh, an I'm Asian sorry. Lawyer, yes. An Asian yes, lawyer yes, 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 yes. For, for Radio Free Asia uh, went to the uh, home of a friend of his from college and got to the home at 10 o'clock and sometime between uh, 10 and 11, uh, t- 10 and midnight or 1030 and, and midnight was murdered in the home. Uh, and no, and to, to this date, nobody has ever been convicted of the crime. Now, as it happens, I knew Robert. Robert was a few years behind me in college. And I also know one of the persons who was suspected of the murder. Um, uh, uh, somebody I went to William and Mary with, who was frankly my nemesis in college. His name was Joe Price, um, which is a whole. I know Jerry's chuckling because I had a nemesis in college. Yeah, 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 it's so funny. It's a whole thing. But, you know, it's it. I I, I could get I into it at some other point. The point is, nemesis. here was something really interesting, though, that I'd forgotten about in all of this. So one of the and the D.C. one of the things that comes out of this is the D.C. police completely screwed this thing up. There are a lot of reasons why they they screwed up this investigation and why nobody was ever charged or convicted. Two weeks or three weeks after, maybe it was a month after the, the murder happens and Joe, Joe was gay. Uh, Joe was living with his husband, uh, a guy named Victor Saborski, and a third man lived in the house by the name of Dylan Ward. They were a trouble. Well, they were kind of a trouble, a throuple. Okay. Now, Joe, they, hold on. Let me explain, though. No, just say, just I, don't want to go, I don't want to go down too no, far. I, 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 I want you to tell the story, but I just want to make clear that 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 in a free again in, in a free world people should engage in sexuality that they want i'm not saying they shouldn't do that what i am saying though is that that a lot of this is religious or it is philosophical it is choices that we make anyway well, my, my, listen my point in bringing this up because i want to because it gets to your issue of trauma um the point is anyway that's not not quite the point yet joe was involved he was married to victor but he was also involved in a relationship with dylan dylan was not involved with victor uh, so it was it was a weird I got, triangle relationship. I, I got to diagram this. Okay. I know it's well. They did. They certainly they actually made a diagram of it in the, in the show last night. Okay. A month after the murder happens, somebody breaks into the house, and it turns out that it's Joe's brother, Michael Price, Michael Price, who is also gay, and that was really weird to me, because you very rarely have a circumstance in which, if you have siblings you know, multiple children of the same parents, that both kids are gay. And I think it gets to your point that there's some kind of trauma. If you now understand what Joe's sexuality was, the stuff that he was allegedly into, there's very clear that there is some kind of, there are issues that are at work. Right. And my point is is that, is that our sexuality, yes, a lot of it has to do with nature. But I believe most of it has to do with environment and nurture. And so my my, my, and my point about the schools is that we are literally teaching young people to be pansexual. And, and, and so therefore, it is not a surprise that in the, for instance, in Maryland, in Maryland, in Maryland uh, uh, here in Maryland, Montgomery County school system has seen a 600% this increase the in gradual, gender confusion. The gradual, and then it rockets right. up, right? So, because so, what happens is that things get refined and then they get accelerated. So in, in the world of DEI, in the world of queer theory, critical race theory, legal theory, and all the rest of the critical theories, uh, it, it has to do with... Uh, with forcing a religion 
down the throat of those who are the masses. Well, it's the religion and it's the punishment of those who, right. who, who deviate from the orthodoxy. Right. You get into the fact that you have a group of kids and kids want to please adults. They want to please their teachers. So they parrot these things. And and some of them are are craving attention, right? right. You're talking and, about and, you know and Andrew, attention let, and acceptance. Let's let's look forward, and we've talked about this, but let's, let's yeah. say it again, and we could point back to, to today's date. Um, you're you're we're arguing in New York City and Chicago and in Baltimore City that juveniles under the age of 25 should not be uh, should not be charged. Uh, with a felony uh, felony crimes because yeah. their brain is still developing right. this kind of again you know let's give someone a little bit of knowledge and they become very very dangerous the brain develops at different rates and different parts right. of the brain d- develop differently so this idea that you can't be charged with a crime if you're 25 because brain is yeah, it's, it's just it's just nonsense but regardless so we're saying the left is saying the DEI crowd is saying we can't charge a 24 year old with a with a felony murder because his brain isn't developed. But we allow a third grader uh, to say uh, the I, I, the boy is a girl, the girl is the boy. Now, where do you think this is leading to? It's leading to getting rid of all age of consent laws. We are sexualizing our children uh, at earlier and earlier ages. Well, and that's it, and it's 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 also a situation in which, and again, now I am going to raise the specter of Bill Maher because Bill Maher did say it best, Jerry, in this regard. And yeah. again, I'm not calling Bill Maher a hero. I know, I know, I know, I know. The 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 but the point is, he said cleverly, when I was age ten or I was age eight, I wanted to be a pirate. And if my parents had let me continue down that road, I have a peg leg and a patch on my eye. Now. You know, that, that's that's the point. But Sometimes he, turn to right. your kids and you say, no, you can't be all at all times. Listen, you want to you want to you want to I'm going to say this word. And I mean, literally, if you're a little boy and you're at home and you want to dress up at, 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 with a pink dress and have a little I uh, have a, a hat. That's and a, normal, by the way. There's, fairy, nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with that. Yes. For boys wanting to dress again, and, and, and this is the problem. I don't know, man. Here. I didn't no, want to no, dress no, look, up look, as a girl look, when look, I was. When however, I was however, it's it's not it's 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 normal for young boys to be curious right. about being girls and and. But the problem is, is now we have adults uh, uh, weighing on the children our our philosophies and our own our wokeness on them. We're not letting kids to be kids any longer. Well, we're not, we are robbing them the, of their that's, innocence. That's the thing is that we're robbing but, them. But let me, let me make this point before them, I forget them of their innocence. I mean, we're robbing them yes. of, 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 of under, under the auspices yeah. of diversity of equity and inclusion. But let me say this, this again, how we're again, progressively advancing backwards and how we're, we're entering into a, a you know, a pre-Western, a kind of tribal or dynasty kind of a way of uh, an outlook on the world. Uh, Remember the Roman Empire. I'm I'm rewatching Rome right now, Jerry. All right, the Roman Empire. If you were of the elite class and you visited a Roman citizen, uh, you were offered a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl. Yeah. So my point is, is that this? See, people it wasn't will say, until "Oh, Czarist Russia, that you were offered a horse." Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> but people, people will say, "Jerry, this is insane. No way, this is going to happen." It's already happened. Uh, we know we know of 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 Roman uh, elite and Roman uh, Roman Caesars who had children delivered to them to be used as yeah. as as uh, in, in myriad ab- abusive ways. 
this has happened before. Why are we going? We're again, if you if you don't know history, you're you're going to repeat it. And this is the problem here. We are progressively advancing yeah. backwards to tribalism uh, and to a kind of a pre-Judeo-Christian uh, worldview. Let me say this last thing. Yeah, and then people yeah. people tell me all the time that well, Jerry, the Bible or your kind of Judeo-Christian ethic was written two thousand years ago uh, when home when homophobia was the norm. No. First of all, the word homosexual didn't come into the English language until the 1860s, uh, until uh, uh, until science wanted to uh, uh, give a term to same sex attraction. It wasn't until the 1860s that the no. word homosexual even entered into the uh, into the no, no, Jerry, uh, into it the sounds kind of gay what you're talking about here. In Jesus's time in, in the Middle East and prior to that, in the. Uh, Roman Empire at times, right? In this in this culture, same-sex attraction relationships were acceptable. In fact, you had temples uh, and 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 uh, and practices dedicated to it. Um, it was the Jewish people, and then later the Christian people, that said to the culture, "No, yeah, this is wrong." My point is, is that. It is human nature uh, uh, to to uh, engage in this kind of pansexual uh, um, uh, activity, but it is but it is Western civilization. It is the Judeo Christian ethic that says no, we are better than this. Uh, we uh, and, and to put it in the Christian parlance, this is not God's best design for you. But now, but as but as political beings in a, in a, in a pluralistic society, I don't want to make this illegal or that illegal. But I do want to recognize that this LGBTQ, this transgenderism, this DEI, this diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, climate change, uh, even abortion, uh, that these are part of a woke religion. And 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 we're in competition with it. My. And, I, just to sort of take, because I want to take, just to take the religion out of it for a second. And again, to talk about science. One of the things Jerry and I talked about over the weekend, we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks. It's part of the interview that I gave with, did with Stephen Meyer from the Discovery Institute is the issue of consensus and how consensus actually stifles, stifles sure. scientific, which right. is the whole point. But to talk about science, we have to be consistent. Yeah, not talk about consensus, but we have to be consistent. And allow if, for debate and argument. If an yes, if an adolescent's brain, if a child's brain is developing over time, and we use this as the basis for our age of consent laws, right? This idea that you know you you can't have kids anyway. I, I, we use this as the basis of our age of consent laws. We cannot then turn around and say if a child comes to a parent or a teacher, worse, a teacher at age eight, nine, ten years old, and says. I'm a boy. I think I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I was born a boy, but I want to live my life as a girl. And then all of a sudden, a, we're going to, we're not going to turn around and say, well, you know, maybe it's just, you know, confusion. Maybe you need to think about this. It's maybe, also you're just, maybe, maybe you, exactly. We can't call it a phase, Jerry. That's bad. Um, and then you have to live like that for the rest of your life and you can't come back from it. And we're going to do what we can to support you in terms of what they are now calling gender affirming medical care um and and gender which includes both medicine pharmaceuticals and surgery and we are doing permanent damage and i guess that's the thing that gets me jerry in all of this 
is we are doing so much to permanently damage. It, it, it is. It is an accelerated reversion to tribalism. That's the only end result that can happen. The 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 collapse of of civilization. And, and Jerry, and I thought about this. I thought about uh, again to put religion back into it. Um, the third grader in this school who is being allowed by parents and by the school system to uh, to uh, operate as uh, a gender, uh, an opposite gender. Th- these parents will have to stand before God someday. And and, the, and God's going to ask them, I, I gave you this beautiful child as a gift. Right. I, I, for you to uh, take care of and to cherish and to protect. And what did you do with that yeah. gift? And again, you look at, you look at, because the literature is still emerging, the science is still emerging, uh, there's a growing population of of detransitioners, right. those who have had the surgery, who have had their uh, their their private parts mutilated and removed, uh, who are now saying, "Why did you let me do this?" Right. I was, exactly. I was, exactly four, I was I was I was fourteen. Listen, it, it, mark my words. Twenty years from now, this is you know you're going to see commercials on TV. The Camp Lejeune commercials that we have today, yeah. the asbestos and measles. Well, that's ironically a victim of 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 sexual transition. Right. Sadly and ironically, that's yeah. that's what's going to stop yeah. it. If anything does, because remember now, someone else said this that the uh, the average like the person who transitions is a cash cow uh, right. to the medical uh, medical community, which is why in states across the country, you see that they want uh, public dollars to pay for right. uh, these uh, transitions. Look, we got off, we, we kind of went off on this shoot. This is still part of the DEI threat. Right, this- it's, it, it's, it's, it's equity and inclusion. Right. Yes. Jerry, listen, because I'm cognizant of your time yeah, and I've got a, I got a, a Department of Education hearing to go to. Uh, you on on Sunday? Yeah. Uh, again, I, I'm going to be a little more. And if you listen to the show, you know I'm already very overt and clear. But I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be even clearer, offering up more clarity. I think time is short. I think the battle uh, we're 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 losing these battles, losing the war, and think- so there's there's no time to waste. So anyway. Agreed. Find the truth, plant your feet, uh, stand uh, stand firm, and God bless you. God bless you all. Listen, uh, next week's episode of the Lunch Hour with Federal Newswire, uh, we've got Professor Paul Post from the uh, uh, University of Chicago to talk about the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine. Uh, go and check that out. Uh, I've got some film instance coming up. Have a great week, everybody. Have fun and stay safe.